Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Teresa Mills. And I'm Holly Holton. And I am so glad that you have joined us today, because today we're going to be talking to Holly about her latest book, in fact, it's your first book, Holly. Yes, I was going to say not latest, but first. <laughs> Hopefully soon to be latest. There you go. I love that. But it's exciting. And friends, you know, these these uh, past few years have been a very challenging time for many of us. And I think that it is great for us to talk about um, some good news, encouraging news, news that will help build your faith. And that is one of the, the reasons I'm so excited to be talking to Holly today. She's a part of our Encouragement Cafe team. And so we're just so glad you've joined us around the table today. And we pray that you will feel encouraged and inspired and that God has something specifically for you today as you join us around the table. So Holly, first off, I'm excited for you. Your book just released. Nine years of waiting. And I, I it's like I birthed a baby. <laughs> Except it wasn't nine years or nine months. It was nine years. But yes. Well, oh. you do have you do have a lot of experience at birth and babies. So tell, tell everyone how many you have. <laughs> I have six. So I'm the crazy one who comes on the podcast with the six kids. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. Well, and I'm excited about this because it really is a perfect time for your book. And it may be nine years in the making, but I just really sense that it's the right timing of God for it to be released um, for all the truth that he shared in that with you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, the book, the title, and maybe just a kind of an overview before we get into this today with you. Yeah. So my book is called Silly Girl, Silly Faith, Daring to Believe What I Say I Believe. Mm. And it's about my journey, basically an overview of how I was raised in a Christian home, but rejected the faith when I left for college and wanted nothing to do with Christianity, Mm. Um, had a really bad experience with Christians and just walked away from it all. But through that, the the calls of God to come home Um, and then finally coming back and realizing that I, you know, God is who God is. It's not who I make him out to be or who I think he is and really diving into the word and finding God and Jesus. And from that, then getting married and having my first son and then getting diagnosed with terminal cancer and going through all of the cancer um, journey as a very young mom. Um, with my husband in anesthesia school and just all the um, the lessons that God revealed to me right before and then during um, that stage of my life. So, yeah, you know, you kind of just brushed past that like it was no big deal getting diagnosed <laughs> with terminal cancer. And uh, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yes, it is. I guess because it's so far away removed, it just praise God. Praise God. It can be a little snippet now, which is a huge blessing and an undeserving blessing for sure. So tell us about that for a moment, because we know that, you know, your book, do I really believe what I say I believe and it kind of do this. So I'm sure that was a challenge with that diagnosis. Tell us more about like what kind of uh, diagnosis did you get? And you said it was a terminal diagnosis. Yeah. So I was diagnosed with stage three C melanoma. Um, so that is when the melanoma, which is the, one of the deadliest forms of cancer, it's a skin cancer, 
um, was already in my lymphatic system. So it was already in my lymph nodes. And at that point, once melanoma gets in your lymph nodes, it's a death sentence. It's a wait and wait until it goes to your brain. Ultimately, you die of a brain or lung cancer. Those kind of are the two places where melanoma makes its home. Um, and so, yeah, my son was nine months old when I was diagnosed and I w- went on that journey and I had lymph nodes, test po- lymph nodes test positive. And then a year after my initial, initial diagnosis, um, it came back in my pelvis. And so we had long discussions of radiation, which would have fried everything, which would have made it impossible to have children without, you know, God obviously can do whatever. But from an earthly standpoint, it would have made it absolutely impossible to have any more children after my first one. Um, And so dealing with all that emotions, you know, I'm a young mom, all my friends are playing, you know, planning play dates and going to the park. And I'm at a lawyer's office writing my last will and testament. Um, they gave me uh, less at first, it was less than 30% chance of survival. And then when it came back in my pelvis, it was less than 10. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, so. hallelujah, you're here. Spoiler alert, friends. <laughs> Cancer did not win. <laughs> Praise God. Now, see, that's the good news that we need to hear. Yeah, God is still in the miracle working business, but I am certain, you know, any, any woman listening who is a mom knows how tough it is to be a mom of a newborn anyway. I cannot imagine getting that kind of diagnosis with a nine month old baby and a husband in school. I'm sure this was no easy road for him either. No, it wasn't. And it was hard. I mean, we were both at the hospital. I was getting surgeries and he was in school and we would meet up. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was a really crazy, mm. crazy time, but I will say, I want to share this one um, story right before I was diagnosed. Um, I had Jonah. So Jonah's my oldest. He's now going into driver's ed. Oh, I can't even. Yeah, I know that's, it floors me to know that I'm that old. Um, but he was just a little nine month old baby and I was taking him in, I think for his like six month checkup and he had to have shots. And I remember vividly like him on the, you know, the table and, you know, as the mom, you have to hold the baby down, you know, at the top and the, you know, the nurse takes the legs and, you know, does the shots while I was holding him down and he was just looking at me and he was just bawling. And like in that moment, I felt God like really speak to me. Like in that moment to Jonah, I was kind of like God, if you will, like I was holding him down for something painful, but I knew he was going to be better off Mm. from it. And so I felt God just say, you know, this is how it is when you go through something painful, but I have you and I've got you and it's for my glory and it's for your good. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I walked out like I was crying. He was crying, but I was crying for that. Just that soul connection I had with the Lord and that just what he spoke to my heart in that moment. And then just a few months later, I was diagnosed with cancer and got the call. Um, wow. So uh, at that yeah. point, did you remember that encounter at the doctor? Absolutely. Isn't Absolutely. Of God, how he, sometimes we don't even know that he's preparing us mm-hmm. and giving us those little moments to say, Hey, I, you didn't know this was coming, but I did know, and I've got you. And I think that he's so amazing. So, so perfect. If we'll just watch and yeah. be aware, he's got those little, little moments 
to speak to our hearts that will encourage us later, that will carry us and hold us later on. So this is um, obviously I love like the little spoilers that we've already done. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'll just so read you my book, Teresa. You also read it. <laughs> this is audio hour, hour audio audible. <laughs> Six kids obviously meant that you know there was no hindrance to you having other children. And in that moment, though, you didn't know that you're you're in the midst of that treatment and not knowing what to do and kind of pick us up from there because I'm sure there were things even in that moment you had to wonder, look, I know what I say. I believe but Am I believing this right now in the midst of this? Yeah. Well, I'm, I vividly remember and anybody who has had cancer or, you know, has known people with cancer, you know, that scans are like a daily part of life and testing and results and the waiting. And so like, there's all these instances with cancer and diseases, um, but just in life in general, where it's just so easy to let fear Mm. overwhelm you. And whenever I would go into scans, that was like where I would really have to do a mental battle with Satan. Like it, if if there was going to be lies creeping in, it was going to be when I was all alone in a hollow tube for 45 minutes, left alone to my own thoughts that's not good for me and probably not for most people. And so I just really challenged myself. I would memorize one scripture Mm -hmm. and I would just repeat that same scripture for 45 minutes nonstop in my head. And I didn't do a lot because then it would be complicated. I just chose one simple one and I would just say it on repeat until the whole scan was done. And so really just claiming the word of God and really like my life depended on it. That's right. And our lives do depend on it. You know, our salvation and everything Mm -hmm. that's important in a Christian walk is in the Bible and really loving, falling in love with the word of God and really seeing it for what it is and what it's meant to be for us instead of just a book that I have to read. It's powerful. Like the only thing I had to combat Satan is the word of God. When Jesus was being tempted, the only thing he did was quote scripture to Satan because nothing is more powerful than God's word. I can't tell him anything that has any significance, but Jesus can. And so just repeating his words over and over and over. And anytime the, you know, the fear and just, you know, when we were talking about having kids and surgeries and do they tack up my ovaries or do we leave them? Can I do radiation? Would that even be something that would be beneficial? Like all of that. And it's all coming at you with everyone telling you, but does it really matter if you're going to die anyway? Oh my goodness. Like, you know, it just, it's a very hopeless place. Mm. The cancer center is a very hopeless place. It's a very spiritual. Mm. People talk about, positive vibes and and so it's a spiritual place but it's not it's not a holy place it's not a christian place it's not it's not jesus it's another type of spirituality and so just really trying to navigate that path while keeping my identity secure in who i am and not letting anybody not getting on google not you know i didn't join um and this is me personally this is not something that i would say universally but for me personally i didn't join any support groups Um, where I would have to just engage in conversation about the cancer. I'm not, I'm not recommending that for everyone, but just for me, um, that's what I chose to do just to help get my mind set on Christ. And so when things did come my way, I was more rooted 
in him instead of having to try to navigate instead of trying to figure it out. Like I'd mm-hmm. wanted to stay ahead of everything instead of trying to play catch up. Yeah. And I think support groups are so good for so many people, but yes, you know, if you, in that moment were feeling like, you know, this is a matter of life and death. I can't, I can't rehearse this to everybody. My diagnosis, because it's so gl- It's so glum. Yeah. Um, that I need to fight with everything I have. And so I understand that. I do believe that support groups are fantastic. And in 100%. Fact, Encouragement Cafe is hopefully a support group for you for anything you're going through. But yes. I do believe that we, we have to be very careful and allow the Lord to guide us. And it sounds like he guided you very specifically through this journey. And I'm grateful. So kind of kind of touch base with us with Silly Girl. <laughs> yeah, go a little deeper with that. So if, well, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I, you know, people would be like, oh, you know, I mean, no, nobody really knows what to yeah. say. So, you know, like I don't fault anybody for saying anything because it's such an awkward moment. Yeah. And you and don't know what to say. You right. don't. And there's really nothing anybody can say to make the moment better. And so everyone, you know, you just, but I did have people that legit was like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, look at your at your faith oh so cute oh wow as like condescending um and so i was like that kind of struck me as like i mean i know i know a lot of people don't know what to say in the moment but that for sure is not something (laughs) you should probably say tell you exactly what to say but we can tell you what not to say what not to say (laughs) but it was one of those like i got people looked at me like a deer in the headlight when I would be like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to die. God's going to heal me. Mm. God's going to heal me. I'm not going to die. I know that he's going to heal me. Now. I just want to say that obviously God's goodness and power is regardless of if you're healed on this side or on the other side, like that has nothing to do with anything. It's just what I was firmly believing. And I know there's people out there who firmly believe it and still get to meet up with Jesus you know, before we would like them to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm fully aware of the whole situation, all the outcomes. But for me, I was, I was determined, like, no, I'm going to be healed. Like there's no other option for me. And people looked at me like I was a lunatic. And so it just, I just started saying, I know I'm just a silly girl with a silly faith. Because I didn't really know how else to respond. Sure, sure. And so that's kind of how I just started responding to people. I'm just a silly girl with a silly faith. We'll see what God does. Um, and so that kind of became my tagline um, during cancer with, you know, the oncologists. Because, you know, oncologists, they hear it all the time. And they, they lose patients every single day. I can't even imagine being in that situation. And so, but I would just like, I know what you think. I know what you've seen. I for sure understand this is really hard to grasp, but I'm just a silly girl with a silly faith, but God's going to heal me. Wow. That's wonderful. So So jump to you're totally healed. Yeah. God did it. He did. There's no medical reason for me to be alive. Mm. Um, None at all. So when it came back into my pelvis, um, that was kind of the cinch deal. It's spreading, you know, we'll just wait and see. But then I kept getting pregnant. <laughs> and so they would be like, you're the most uncooperative cancer patient ever. <laughs> like, I know. So I would like, they would need to get a scan just to see where the cancer was at. But then I would be pregnant. And so I couldn't get a scan. 
And so that happened literally for like five years in a row because wow. I had, you know, my five other ones like back to back to back. And so it, I would get like one scan every so often. And the doctors would be like, we literally have no idea how you're standing in front of us. Wow. And I'm like, I know, because I didn't really do any treatment. That wasn't my like, I'm against treatment. I'm absolutely 1000% for treatment. There was just not a good treatment option for me right. um, for melanoma. Unfortunately, there's not chemo. There's a drug called interferon that can help mask your cancer. So like for however long you're on it, you get that much time. But then once you come off, the cancer comes back. Like So it's not meant to kill or destroy the cancer cells. It's meant to delay the spread wow. of the cancer. So there wasn't any any treatment. I was literally like, there is nothing I have but God. Was there so, fear when you had a second child, still not knowing what the diagnosis was, wondering if you were going to leave two children or wondering mm-hmm. if you would now leave three children? Or were you so were you so convinced by God that you are going to live that you just you just knew? I just knew. I just knew. And one thing um, I didn't tell the doctors right away when I got pregnant Uh, melanoma is one of the few cancers that can cross the placenta barrier. So I could give it to my child. And so that, that concerned, you know, there was always, there was always that fear. I mean, when I say I know, like I knew, but fear is going to creep in wherever it can. And so I had to really, yeah, I had to really fight against, you know, that. And of course, like my whole family thought I was nuts. So they, when I got pregnant with my second child, Renan, it was not, a happy time mm. in my family. Um, and that was a very odd feeling because it was such a happy time with my firstborn. And, you know, my parents want a thousand grandkids, which they end up getting, but like, it was just a weird feeling to be pregnant and to have literally no one happy for you. Mm. Um, they were probably so fearful as well. And they were, they were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so tell us, you know, we know that God victoriously brought you through in a very unique, non-traditional way. <laughs> but um, I do everything as. <laughs> and you are the mom of six beautiful children. You're healthy and cancer-free. So tell us how, how God laid it on your heart to write this book and, and what you hope somebody that gets this book might receive from reading it. Well, my biggest reason for writing it is I want people to know God like I do. Mm. I want people to know that Jesus is powerful. No matter what the outcome of anything. I mean, I, as I was writing the books, I was writing the book when I was going through cancer. Wow. Um, it's taken me this long to publish said book, but it, it, I was writing it as I was you know, going through it. And in it, like there's a part where it's like, I know it would be ironic if I'm writing a book about being supernaturally healed from cancer and I die wow. of cancer. Um, but I'm not going to let fear keep me from writing this story because ultimately God is good no matter what. Right. Um, right. Cause he is, it doesn't matter if you pass away from cancer. It doesn't matter if he heals you of cancer. God is God and he's amazing. And just the, how I got to fall in love with him and see Jesus for who he is and not just in the Bible, you know, when you shut it, it doesn't end. Like God's still moving and working everything. He's still in control of the world. And we forget that sometimes I forgot it when I was going through cancer, because it's so easy to let it consume you and to forget God is ultimately in charge. And how good is he? Because we see death sometimes as a punishment in a way, but it's like, no, like we need to live 
wanting to see God, like excited yeah. for that chance when we finally get to meet Jesus. And we've, we know we've let death kind of become this horrible thing that happens instead of a joyous thing that we get to be, you know, we get to be free of the sin of this world and all this stuff. But I really wanted to write a book. So when somebody is in that hard place, they have hope, um, number one, but number two, to really encourage people to get to know Jesus, read Mm -hmm. the Bible, fall in love with him and the church. And there's so much hurt right now too. Um, I mean, there's always hurt, but especially right now and just really fall in love again with our creator and our savior. For someone really going through a difficulty right now, whether it be cancer, whether it be barrenness, whether it be uh, all the situations that we could talk about, what would be your, your, your strongest word of encouragement to them in the middle of the hardest part of their season? God is good and God has not left you. Mm. Cause I know when you're in the middle of hard, cause I mean, ultimately when it's you, it's you like, you know, like you may, there may be people around you, like my husband, my parents, but it was me and it can be the most lonely place in the world to go through the hard. And it may seem like, you know, this, you know, I'm all alone, but just to constantly remember Jesus is real and he mm-hmm. is right beside you. Cause it's so easy to forget. And I know that's so simple, but it's so easy to forget that God is in the little, little things. And Jesus is walking. One of the things that like really spoke to me um, when I was going through all this is right before um, I went into one of my oncology appointments. This is one of my last ones um, before I was released. And I had a scare that there, the cancer may have come back. And I'm sitting in the lobby of the um, oncology floor and a family comes out and the mom had just been told that's it. There's nothing else that they can do. And they're like weeping and I'm sitting there by myself <laughs> in the waiting room mm. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, what if that's my story? Like, I don't know what's getting ready to happen. In the next 10 minutes, my life could be completely turned upside down. And I just felt God say, I'm already in the waiting room waiting. Mm. So he's already in there. He's with, you know, that negative pregnancy test that you were praying was the positive. He was there. He knew that was going to be the case. He knew I was going to get the phone call before I got the phone call. And so knowing that I'm walking through this, what may feel like alone, I'm not alone. And there is an army of angels right there with me, Mm -hmm. walking with me, waiting for me. And so when you, when you do go through the hard, if you're going through the hard right now, I just really pray that, you know, God knew your heart before you did. And he did not abandon you in that. He did not forsake you in that. He was waiting for you in that. And he is there for you. And you are not by yourself. Wow. Holly, if someone's interested in finding out more about how they can get your book, where can they go? They can go to Amazon and just search up Silly Girl, Silly Faith. It's one of the few books that there's no other book with that title. So, Or you can look up Holly Holton. Um, Silly Girl, Silly Faith is easier to find than Holly Holton. There's apparently a muscle built, like a, a late, like weightlifter lady who's like way more attractive than me, who is also on Amazon. So that's not me. If you look at her and you're like, wow, she works out. Wrong Holly Holton. Keep scrolling. <laughs> uh, see, now that's spiritual. Uh, I mean, that's physical muscle. 
Uh, if you're looking for the spiritual muscle, that would be right. uh, Silly Girl, Silly Faith. Just want to remind everyone how much you are loved. Mm. And I think universally, we're all going through hard times right now. Yeah. And everyone's weary and everyone's done. And I just want to encourage you that God's not done with you or your story. And God is waiting for you on the other side of all. Well, not on the other side. He's waiting for you. There's no other side. Like he's waiting now for you and whatever it is that you're going through. If you're in a valley, he's there. If you're not, if you're on the mountaintop, he's there. And we can count on him to always be right beside us. Father God, we thank you that in the midst of those times, you have never left us. Lord, I thank you through Holly's example that we know that we can not only hold on to your word, but speak it and use it as a weapon to fight against so many things, to fight against fear, but that you were always with us. And Lord, we just ask that each one listening today, if they're going through a season that might be tough or dark, that you would encourage them, infuse them with faith, that they would know, Father, that you are with them and that you still are a miracle-working God. Thank you so much for joining us around the table today. And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. We'll see you back here next week, where we fill you up one cup at a time.